Huzzah Rangers! This is Phil Harris here at the Jacks Rangers show. That is the third time that we've done that intro in a row, and I love it every single time I see it. See, I love it even more, as a matter of fact. We've got Diamond Dave with us. Dave, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well. You might just have to use that intro for every video between now and January. Love it. I think we will do that, actually. That's the only intro that will exist until January. I love that. We've got a very, very special guest this time around. He is our collegiate rugby expert. His name is Zach Lanning. Zach, how the hell are you? I am fantastic. Probably not as good as you guys are still doing. Still buzzing. I'm sure. Congrats. Absolutely. Thank on you. a wonderful season. So, yeah, good, good, doing great, but uh, could be better than you guys. So, <laughs> yeah, Rugby New York, uh, I mean, they made the playoffs. Not bad, right? You know, maybe next year we'll see how it goes. Hopefully not, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, let's talk really quickly about, you know, we're going to cover the draft tonight. A lot of people I've been wanting to know, you know, who the Free Jack's going to select, who's out there, that sort of stuff and you are the man with the answers. Thank goodness you're on here. Really appreciate you. But I wanted to first talk about the just draft overall real quick here. Our Toronto correspondent, Brian Ray, has highlighted the reduction of uh, declared draft prospects compared to last season with some notable names not declaring from Canada and also Cal Berkeley as well as what he was mentioning. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, I think uh, first of all, there's nobody that knows probably the rugby landscape in Canada and the U.S. more than better than Brian Ranga. So, 100%. Uh, yeah, so you know, I, I I do agree with him. I think he's uh, he was talking about how the, the MLR should try to take notice of this, you know, this trend. Uh, mm -hmm. I do have some thoughts, and I apologize if it turns into a, a mini rant here, but um, you know, I do uh, I have seen that as well. I think uh, there are a couple things. A, with Canada, it's definitely uh, alarming. I think that they have a different system. And those the collegiate teams in Canada are definitely the top you know, tier teams for that youth kind of age grade rugby there. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the fact that not a lot of them are declaring for this draft uh, you know, should, should raise some, uh, some alarm bells, I think. But in the U.S. here, I think there are a couple things at play. Um, I would say last year, there was probably a larger number uh, of players in that draft class. It was probably inflated a bit because I think a lot of guys decided to go back to school uh, for their final COVID eligible year. Mm -hmm. So the pandemic has certainly messed with the numbers in the draft. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what the trend lines are at this point. We haven't had that many drafts to begin with, but right. uh, I do uh, feel it, it changing a little bit, shifting a little bit. Uh, and I think there are a couple factors at play. I think there is probably just a, a lack of, Stability or trust, I think, on both sides of the equation here uh, when it comes to the collegiate players joining the draft and it comes to the league as well in general. Um, I think that for players coming out of college, it's a big risk. You know, it's an exciting moment for sure to hear your yes. name called. Uh, but, the, you know, you're, you're kind of you're putting it all out there for for the sport. Uh, you really got to love the game because you could end up anywhere. You know, you could be asked to move and you could, you know, join a team that you necessarily weren't joining at some part of the country if you right. get drafted. Uh, and then, you know, you might also find one day that that team, you wake up and you find out that team doesn't exist anymore. Uh, you know, via tweet, yeah. that, that team is just gone. And now you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're kind of left out to dry. Uh, look at the first overall pick ever. Connor Mooneyham has played for three teams at this point in his career. One of them is, has a, you know, it was ethered uh, and it no longer exists in uh, the Gilgronies. Dallas mm -hmm. drafted him and decided they weren't ready to play. So he's bounced around all over the place. So yeah. uh, it's tough. I think for, if I was in college, it would be tough for me to kind of, you know, make make that leap and say, you know, I'm ready to commit to this and settle in a, in a new city. And then maybe I have to move again two or three times when I'm trying to start a career 
obviously there's not a whole lot of financial security uh, that comes with, you know, starting a career in Major League Rugby at this point either. So uh, it's tough. But I do see from the team's perspective as well, it's tough for them to, you know, guarantee these guys some serious playing time or, or trust that the product that they're getting from the collegiate system at this point uh, is going to be good enough quality, I guess, or going to be, you know, to the level that, that these guys are going to be able to contribute right away. So it's tough for them to use roster slots, I think, uh, on college players that there's really only a handful of schools that are giving these guys the physical and, and kind of mental preparation that they need uh, to, to join the league and be contributors right away. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I think you'll start to see a decline um, going forward just until there's more stability on either side in terms of, you know, uh, st stabilizing the quality of the players that are coming out of the collegiate system. If that's what the league wants to do, you know, mm -hmm. they're committed to making college rugby the, the feeder to major league rugby. Yeah. Um, and then also some stability on the league side saying, hey, these are the teams. They're going to be here for a while. You don't need to worry. If you come in and join, we're going to take care of you. You know, you're going to have uh, a guaranteed at least, you know, a developmental system in place. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't have to you're not going to, you know, leave school and forego job opportunities or something else uh, for right. an opportunity that might evaporate. So I think there's a couple things at play, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. That's a, a, a well you know, well-spoken answer there that covered a lot of different things. Uh, my first thought was financial, right? Like a lot of these guys aren't dummies, right? They're getting right. degrees at, at universities. They have the opportunity to make a lot more money uh, in, in fields outside of rugby. So it's like a heart versus head type of thing. Like, do you really want to live in Utah? No, you don't. Like nobody wants to live in Utah. Not even people that live in Utah, right? Uh, so like, are you just going to get drafted by Utah and play rugby and like, you know, make – $15 an hour or less for, you know, for some of these guys, like, you know, I, I don't know if that's, you know, the best solution for them at this time. Like hopefully as this thing gets bigger and better, you know, the financials will make more sense. Uh, the, se the second thing I really thought about and maybe this is just my mind is like the, the guys that like are just kind of thinking of it as like a joke, aren't really, you know, cause the novelty novelty of like declaring yourself for the draft has like kind of died out. Maybe like people that were never going to get drafted, like probably aren't filling out that form anymore. That's just my thought because I would have definitely done that, you know, <laughs> you know, playing B side at Carolina coming out and like declaring uh, for the draft there. Like I would have never got drafted, but it was just like, Hey, I tried to declare for the draft, you know? So, no, I, I agree. I definitely think yeah, that the first few years, there were guys who were like, Oh, throw my name in the ring. What can happen? Sure, and that's sure. why maybe I'd love to see, see them you know convert the format of the draft i don't think it works nfl style you know a couple rounds and expect these guys to be contributors right away and make a huge deal mm -hmm. out of it you know maybe you make it more of a baseball style draft you have a lot of rounds you get a lot of guys picked you know either before college or post college you get their rights and they get in you know head into a, a well-established academy system because then mm -hmm. maybe you get guys who are on the fringe you know, who put their name in, they're like, they'll probably get drafted instead of having For the sure. two rounds or three rounds, you have, you know, seven, eight, 10 rounds, whatever. You get more people who get that, that draft moment, and then you mm -hmm. get them into more, you know, uh, solid developmental system. So maybe that's one way to look at it, but you're right. I think, you know, they know there's, there's maybe 20 guys, 30 guys that have a legitimate chance. And it's, if you're not one of those top tier schools or, you know, yeah. have been able to get in front of MLR coaches, you probably don't have a shot. So. Yep, for sure. Appreciate that answer. The next one I've got for you here is the MLR draft is right around the corner. It will be held Thursday, August 17th, and air on Fox Sports 2 in the United States. I'm hearing they're really going to make a, a big production value out of this. It's uh, I know that uh, Wheels is going to head down there for it, for the Free Jacks, so that should be really, really cool. It's going to be aired internationally on the Rugby Network at 6.30 that evening. Last year, you mentioned Sam Gola, who was taken number one overall by Dallas. He received Rookie of the Year honors from MLR 
Villar and just received his first international cap against Romania uh, for the USA, of course. Who are some of the top prospects this year that will be selected very early that the Jacks probably won't have an opportunity to select at 13? Right. You guys can't have any more talented players on your <laughs> roster. Right? You have enough. You can't take the ones uh, coming out of college. I will say this year it's tough. I don't think there is a, a Sam Gala that's out there uh, like a bona fide, you know, he has the physical tools, has the leadership, has the pedigree. Like this is a no brainer. Number one pick. I think there's mm -hmm. plenty of talent. You know, I've seen people saying that the, the best best players are not declaring for the draft anymore. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case. You know, we have uh, plenty of the, the Schultz Award finalists who are declared. Uh, mm -hmm. So those are, you know, the guys who have been recognized as at the top of, of their, you know, of the, the college landscape. Uh, yep. And, you know, obviously, Luce Gray is not going to participate. He's for Navy. He was the winner. Uh, but pursuing, you know, it's tough with the service academies. It's it's a right. different situation. Uh, they have, you know, other other considerations, obviously. But yes. there's still some talented, talented guys out there that'll go early. Uh, for me, looking at it, I'm still doing my film review and everything. But uh, seeing Clayton Means, uh, the center from Lindenwood, uh, okay. who was also the man of the match at the Collegiate Shield game uh, that took place earlier uh, this summer. Uh, you know, he had a dominant performance there. Obviously comes from one of those top programs. Uh, he also, you know, has the physical size, 6'1", 205. Uh, he has the, the athleticism. Um, so for him, for me, he's he's one of the top. I also liked uh, Max Schumacher, uh, who coming out of Cal, I think he's listed as a fly half on the MLR site and played a lot of uh, minutes at, at fullback um, and wing as well for Cal. He was their leading scorer, you know, for the top program in the nation or one of the top programs historically. Mm -hmm. uh, he also, you know, yeah, he, he's got a well-rounded game. Uh, multifaceted, strong on offense, creating opportunities, uh, striking, uh, also on defense, you know, cover tackles, things like that. I think he has a good head for the game. Uh, was always a threat uh, for Cal, fine-tuned kicking game as well. So, you know, somebody who could probably come in, probably not at fly half, um, but, uh, you know, could, could contribute uh, outside as well. Uh, I would say last for me, uh, Connor Olvera, another wing uh, from BYU, uh, who also had a pretty outstanding game at the Collegiate Shield. Uh, he was the had the most meters gained uh, in that contest. Uh, an athlete um, for sure. And again, BYU had a great season. They 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 you know they they're tough when they come out of BYU, and that's what you kind of need to to contribute right away is that that physical mm -hmm. you know the physicality, the physical presence. Uh, if you can bring that and be a solid tackler and you know contribute on the offensive end a little bit as well. That makes you a top pick in my book. So those would be my three, but it's really anybody's guess at this point, I think. I know the MLR profiled some of the top prospects recently on their socials. So I think some of those names were mentioned there for sure. Um, you know, it's it's nice to hear about these guys, and I hope they do very, very well. But the Jacks aren't going to have an opportunity most likely to to draft these guys because of our success. You know, we, we finished first uh, in the entire competition, so we picked last in the first round. You know, that's the the parity that they this league wants to generate and that sort of thing. They're going the way of, you know, the NFL and that sort of stuff, which is perfectly fine. I know the, uh, the European out there kind of roll their eyes at that idea but uh it is what it is um let's talk about the what the the bat the jacks have uh three picks and it's the first round which is going to be the 13th overall pick and two second round picks the 23rd and the 26th overall what positions do you think that they need to target in this draft? We did do a poll today, and it seems like the lock slash second row position is really something that people, the fans out there, the Rangers are focusing on and prop as well. You can never have too many props as far as I'm concerned. But who do you think the Jacks should focus on? 
Well, I, I agree with your listeners. I think they're absolutely right. I think historically we've seen, you know, the data from past drafts that that second row position or like the kind of second row, maybe loose forward hybrid mm-hmm. body type seems to translate really well uh, from the college game to the MLR game. That's, you know, that is your Sam Gala, uh, Emmanuel Albert, a high pick as well. These guys are, are able to kind of get in right away. So mm-hmm. it can't hurt. Uh, to, you know, look look for those guys in the draft. There's also a pretty large contingent uh, of second row players slash kind of loose forward hybrids nice. uh, in this year's draft. So I think that would be good. There's there's a deep pool of talent there, uh, especially, yeah, the, you know, if you have the physical size. I'd also say hooker. Uh, it's a deep hooker class as well uh, from really from the top tier schools. So you're talking guys like Jonah Avua from Central Washington, uh, Matthias Calvo from Dartmouth. Uh, Francois Renaka from Lindenwood, like at Mount St. Mary, St. Bonaventure. These are all top flight schools that have, you know, mm-hmm. hookers that are, are going to be available in this draft. So plenty of depth there as well. Um, and yeah, you can never have too many front row players really to develop. Uh, and, and it seems like the Free Jacks every year take a prop uh, from the collegiate ranks. And I think that's a good strategy. You know, if one or two pans out uh, or you, you have them develop for a while. Uh, but those would be my my choices for sure. Love it. You know, that, that it, the prop position reminds me of John Gruden back in the day when he was the Buccaneers coach. He would sign any quarterback that he saw that could throw more than 20 yards. Like, he <laughs> loved quarterbacks. So, props are one of those guys, like, if we could have 20 on the roster, and I think we would still want to get more on, just to have on the roster because those guys are so important and, and you want as many as possible of those guys. But um, I wanted to quickly mention that, you know, I'm super excited about the draft. I will be watching it. Maybe we'll live stream it. Who knows? But, I, you know, this year, I, I feel like every single year I want to get more and more, like, invested in it and research a little bit more. So every, last year what I did, Zach, is I listened to every single name that you mentioned, and then I looked up their highlights. So I'm going to oh, do wow. that as well this year, too. So I appreciate you throwing all these names out here. But uh, my last question here, we've talked about this last year. New England loves late-round picks, diamonds in the roughs, if you will. Uh, what players could be available late in this draft that the Jacks should select? So, yeah, I, I thought about this a lot. I think there's one name uh, for me that comes to mind. Uh, we were watching, we did earlier, uh, Matt McCarthy and I, uh, we were calling the battle for the mitten uh, between Michigan State and Michigan, a game that's organized by our, our wonderful colleague, Josh Restio every year. Uh, it's a wonderful game. Uh, those two teams really do not like each other. So some excellent rugby action. And somebody who stood out for me there, whose name I saw on the list, and I immediately you know, raised some, some flags to me, I said, uh, Joshua Kipp, the uh, Michigan State, is a loose forward. I think he did play a little second row in that game against Michigan. Uh, the Spartans destroyed uh, Michigan in that game, and Josh Kipp, I think, was a huge part of that effort. And nice. we had a chance to catch up after the game. He, he's a great guy. He's a leader. You know, he knows the game really well. He's a smart guy, and he has those physical tools as well. He was a big guy over six foot, probably two, 225. Um, so, you know, he's somebody with high motor, high energy, uh, you know, again, high character guy who I think would be a steal late in the draft and come in and probably contribute right away. So those are the names that I, you know, I look for, I think, um, you know, he would be good there. If you're looking for some, you know, dynamism, I think there's a couple names as well, uh, that you want to get some, you know, some, uh, some, uh, back, back row players or back, uh, backs in general, uh, that I have on the list here. Keelan Coyle, a uh, fly hat from St. Bonaventure, I think would be a very interesting player. He showed out at the uh, Collegiate Shield as well. Mm-hmm. Um, would I think from Ireland, so maybe an international slot, but maybe worth it because uh, I think he's also uh, a solid player. Um, but later on in the draft also, uh, I do like Mark Matuku from Notre Dame College, uh, who's another uh, person I've gotten to watch play at some mm-hmm. tournaments uh, and is an opposing presence, uh, really, really smart player as well. 
Um, so that's what you kind of look for. Also, those late rounds that the physical tool guys who can come in, you know, set the tone, be high energy, uh, high character guys. Uh, so those are some names that I'd look for. Love it. I highly appreciate it. And when you say St. Bonnie's and um, Dartmouth, my ears immediately pop up because I'm thinking, you know, those are in our backyard. Now, obviously, St. Bonnie's is in upstate New York. And so it's not New England, but it's right there in our backyard. So I'm sure Mags, I'm sure Mags has been whispering in TK's ear every time a Dartmouth player does something good. He's like, hey, check this guy out. He's, he's going to be really good. So, yeah, for sure. So I think we're, we're covered with those guys. Uh, at least I would hope so. I'm sure they've been scouted multiple times by the Free Jacks. But uh, those those are my yep. questions, Zach. I really appreciate it. I'm going to let Dave take over. Sure. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for being here. It's always good to talk to you. Um, Alex Goff writes a lot about uh, college rugby, and he characterized the draft this year with you know the phrase, think type five first, but there's also some kind of surprisingly good or better than usual back three candidates this year. Do you think that's a pretty good assessment of, of the draft stock and kind of what MLR teams tend to take? as a strategy i i do and again i said nobody may know the game better than brian ray but alex goff is probably up there as well <laughs> so you know I, I i would never disagree uh but i do i think he's spot on there i think as we said before you know you look at the the previous drafts it's really those uh the type five players specifically kind of you know the locks the, the second row guys that translate really well um and props are always good to have and then you have those athletes out on you know on the outside in space that that game really translates uh, like an Eric Naposki, uh, you know, somebody like that who uh, who can really uh, just make something happen when he's on yeah. the ball, if he has the space. So I think that's absolutely right. That's that's true for this draft. Looking at some of the names on the list, a lot of dynamic athletes um, and a lot of big, big body guys for that type five <laughs> as well that can come in and, yeah. you know, uh, be physical. And and that's yeah, like, you know, you don't need you. Obviously, the skills will come. Um, but if you can start with that physical presence and the physicality, you could you could probably make an impact pretty soon. Yeah, you can teach skills. You can't teach beef and speed and all that other <laughs> no. stuff, right? You can, but guys can bulk up. But at a certain, you know, body shape and body type are things right. that you can't change too much in a gym. Right? No, not at all. I've tried. I've really tried. But, uh... <laughs> uh... Thinking about Massachusetts, we have a few players uh, who are from Massachusetts who've entered the draft. Ethan Goslaw from Hanover is at Catholic University of America. Rakeem Rador, or Radore, I'm not sure, from Weymouth mm -hmm. American International College. And uh, Chris Ferrigno, who's from North Attleboro, plays at University of Rhode Island. They are all props. Um, do any of them stand out? Uh, in the draft to you is having a, a, a better than average chance of, you know, being a Massachusetts homegrown player who's moving on to the MLR. I, I will say, I think uh, Chris Ferrigno is a name that has popped uh, a few times uh, in a couple different areas. Again, another of the really impressive performers uh, at the collegiate shield game. Uh, so, you know, he is someone who I I've seen, come up, you know, again and again. Um, so I think he definitely uh, is somebody to keep an eye on uh, going forward. I think, you know, he is has a good chance, maybe not first round, uh, but I think definitely somebody who has, even from a smaller school, uh, has kind of the, the intangibles, that you know, the, the resume there as well uh, and the physical stuff to, to make an impact. So I would say keep an eye on him uh, out of those three for sure. 
Nice. I'm pulling for Chris because I have played with his dad on the Greyhounds. Oh, that's just Wait. that's amazing. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm on a lot of email chains with uh, with his dad. I see. His, I'm seeing bragging about his kid on social media. It's very, it's very adorable. It's not Lou Ferrigno, right? Or is it no, it's uh, uh, Mike. I think. Yeah, not Lou. Not that Ferrigno. Yeah, <laughs> different Ferrigno. Some similarities though. <laughs> yeah, physically. Right. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a big unit as well. As Green that skin, is. yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. The purple, purple hair, hair, the weird <laughs> the, sh- the shorts that are weirdly stretchy. I don't know. Right. Um, I'm gonna put. You talked about a lot of great uh, early prospects. I'm gonna put you on the spot. If you had pick number one, who would you take? And I'll give you time to think. I'll give you my answer first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is James Rivers, the lock from Arizona. He's not just 6'6", which is elite height. He is also, he ran the fastest 40 meter at the combine. For the forwards. What? All oh, the okay. forwards. Not, not, not overall. <laughs> the fastest, fastest forward. Um, so he's got elite height. He's got speed. Two things that are very hard to teach. That's So that's my answer, James Rivers. I think that's a great pick. I think, yeah, you know, again, we talk about those tools combining. Uh, that is somebody who, who has a definite shot of being number one. I think for me, uh, outside of maybe a Max Schumacher, who I talked about earlier, I'll try and spread it out a little bit here. Uh, Ricky Rose or Rick Rose, another uh, Bonnie, I think yeah. might have a good shot. And another second row player as well, another lock. Six seven two fifty, 250, uh, pretty solid frame. Yeah. Uh, has You have seen some <laughs> photos of him next to some teammates, and he is an imposing dude. Uh, and again, another uh, standout at, at the Shield game, which uh, we've talked about a lot. It kind of shows the importance of that game as well for potential prospects. But I would keep an eye out for Rick Rhodes. I think a lot of teams are interested uh, in what he can bring to the table. Um, and, and you could see him maybe in the Sam Gala mold. Uh, so uh, interesting that all the, the locks are the one, the position I never would have probably picked that. Uh, the first two years it went to, the, you know, the wings and the, the kind of highlight flashy positions. And now last few years it's been those the grinders. Uh, so. Yeah. Uh, but I think it definitely Rick Rose or even his teammate on St. Bonaventure, uh, Lorenzo Villani, uh, who, you know, his older brother, Sebastiano, already in the league and, and had a nice year for uh, for Nola. I think um, he's another one who, who can be electric as well and, and might might sneak into that top that top spot. But for me, if I had to pick, I was building a squad. Uh, Rick Rose, somebody who, you know, could can really bring that leadership in, in the pack and, and help you out on that front. Nice. That's an excellent pick. I also saw him being interviewed. Um and he sounds like Shaq, just in that having that voice that you're like, is that? Did somebody run that through a synthesizer? Did you drop that an octave and a half? Very, you know, it's just like, oh, it's yeah. Talk. He's he's a man. Sometimes they come out of college, and you're like, he's a little young. No, he's a man. He's good. You can throw him in. He'll be okay. And he's got that commercials, you know, career locked down already. Everyone loves seeing Shaq in commercials and stuff. And like, so he'll be a marketable superstar going forward. That's good. That's good to have. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, get that name, image, likeness going, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you talked about top prospects. You talked about you know late round steals. Uh, who's fun? Who like gets you really excited uh, when when you see them play? Maybe not the most high profile, you know, gonna go first player, but somebody who you just really enjoyed watching as they've mo- played through college, and you kind of you're just really hopeful you get to keep watching them in the MLR. Yeah, absolutely. I have I have a couple names uh, that I really like, uh, especially uh, there are a couple guys from uh, from Wheeling who I really liked um, and Louisville as well. Two schools. So first one, Aaron Juma, I think uh, is is really, really exciting prospect from Wheeling. Uh, play loose forward. 
you know, he was the top scorer for the Cardinals as well. Electric out there. You know, he led the team. He had 11 tries in the season. He had 1.5 per game, which is pretty impressive. Uh, and just, you know, just a really, really fun player to watch in space. Uh, and, and just somebody, you know, from a young age who have been, who have been really just uh, a, a spark plug for that for that team who have really burst into the scene, I think, lately have, have made, you know, some people take notice uh, of not what, you know, may not necessarily – uh, I guess at one point with, when they were really Jesuit, you know, we're a good, uh, tough, tall rugby program have been historically, but maybe not as it, you know, considered in the top, top tier, uh, but have started a resurgence lately. Um, Ayub Jolly, another name. I think he plays at Louisville, uh, somebody who at, at a couple tournaments, you know, is just a guy who never stops, who makes every play, uh, you know, when somebody needs to step up, whether it was a sevens tournament or 15s, you know, he is making those those long runs, the cover tackles where you're like, that guy's gone. There's no way anyone catches him out of nowhere uh, comes Jolly. So and he, he'll make that stop. Uh, you know, just I, I like to see that as well. The guys who have that passion for the game and are just, you know, willing to go all out and leave everything out uh, on the field as well. Uh, so he's another name to watch who, who's just ex- super exciting and, and brings a lot of passion to the game. Uh, and then I would say also from Louisville. Uh, Chief or uh, yeah, Chief Chifumbu, uh, who I have seen uh, at a tournament, like after they played a game, just like sitting, you know, there, left it all out there, like ice packs all over, just completely <laughs> everything, everything gone. Uh, and yep. he's super exciting with ball in hand. Uh, you know, I think he's, he's a little undersized. Um, he plays a fly hat position and he makes things happen and he creates space and he has really great uh, field vision. And he's one of those guys I get it like, you know, I don't know what a comp would be, but, uh, you know, somebody who just kind of makes something out of nothing uh, is really fantastic. Like an Antoine DuPont necessarily, you know, somebody okay. who like you're like, there's no way he gets through this. And he's a tinier guy. Obviously, DuPont is like, you know, is built as well. But <laughs> right. uh, but, you know, somebody who's like, will will sneak out of a, 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 you know, a pile and he's gone. And, he you know, he's that, that lightning quick and that exciting. So those are some names to watch. Um, you know, who may not be in the top, top radar, but are, are just awesome, fun, fun guys to watch. Excellent. Excellent. I love that. I like the uh, I like the fun guys. I'm here for the getting, you know, let's get weird is my right. uh, watchword. So right. <laughs> um, the draft is always really interesting uh, because you have players coming from very different programs. You talked about that a little bit already. Um, this uh, the size of the school doesn't re- necessarily give you a lot of information on like the size and structure of the program. Um, there's big competitive gaps that teams sometimes struggle to cross. I think about like, was it Texas A&M like destroyed everybody in the, it's the Red River Conference down in Texas mm-hmm. and then just got absolutely shellacked in their first <laughs> game of the playoffs, right? Yeah. It's tough to, yeah. to you know... We talked about it a lot last year as well. You gave you gave a lot of good information on the structure, so people can go back and watch that interview if they want to deep dive on that specifically. My question this year is: Has anything changed? Have there been any big developments in the competitive college rugby landscape in the last year? Uh, I will say I did get in trouble with Texas A&M specifically. Uh, Travis Norman on Twitter. I referred to uh, the Red River Conference as the kiddie pool because Texas A&M <laughs> got into the playoffs. And then, so I, I do take that back. I think they have, they have a great program, a strong program, uh, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there, there is a huge kind of competitive, uh, a difference between a lot of these, you know, tiers of, of schools that we did talk about. I don't know how much has changed to be honest on that front. I think you're starting to see some programs grow. I think there are some, areas you know where like you look at kind of the big 10 schools who have started to kind of grow some some solid programs like in indiana 
uh, who started to crank out some really solid players because they've instituted, um, you know, some really analytically minded and like uh, fitness programs and things like that. And they're, they're kind of starting to, uh, I don't know, professionalize in some way or do that. But there, there's a, the, it's a chasm, you know, between these programs, uh, especially when you have teams like Lindenwood, you know, drawing from an international pool of players as well to come in. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be a tough gap to close without a, some sort of broader investment from a USA rugby or, you know, if the MLR even commits to making college that, that pathway, um, you, you're going to still see those disparities. Uh, Cause like you look at like a school like Virginia tech, you know, was winning championships in, in, uh, in a lower division, they were self-coached, you know, and they don't have like uh, then the resources to, to have a coach, but they're still, you know, out there playing really hard and they get some good players that come out of there. But if they get on the field with the, you know, a, a school like a, a Cal or St. Mary's or somebody from that top tier of life, uh, it's just, it's just tough, a tough hurdle to overcome. You know, they'd have to play the best, best game ever uh, that they've ever played uh, to overcome that. So we'll see if that does change going forward. I think there, you know, there's more consolidation now. I think NCR has started to kind of uh, take on a lot more schools into one conference. So you'll start to see yep. schools that haven't historically played each other, play some more meaningful games against some better competition. Um, but with seasonality, I think is the biggest, you know, uh, impediment to that, where we have some of the top schools playing in their 15s in the spring, some of them playing the 15s in the fall and sevens not matching up. You know, if you're not getting the, the best teams playing the other best teams, they're getting five or a handful of meaningful games a year against top competition. Uh, you know, you're not going to see anybody get better doing that. So it, it's a tough, uh, tough landscape. Um, but yeah. I think there, there are, there are steps being taken. There are things being done. Uh, it'll be a slow, a slow build, though, for sure. Yeah, it is. The split seasons to me stands out as the most, along with like the power struggling around college rugby and USA rugby and NCR and all that, which is you know kind of a third rail. Uh, in the in the in, from my outsider understanding in the college rugby landscape, that's like I'm not wading into that morass, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, but other than that, the split season, you know, I I dealt with that as a coach for a men's club team that was making it to playoffs, you know, and trying to align like, well, we got to, you know, the, the, the New York guys have the same schedule we do, but then when we're going, when we're moving on beyond the empire union, we are actually on a different competitive schedule than everybody else. And it was a nightmare and the stakes there are, you know, frankly, much lower, right? I mean, it's just, it's just club rugby. It's mm -hmm. for fun and pride and camaraderie. It's not uh, as competitive as, as, you know, college rugby, is and is trying to become right it, it, as it's moving into a more competitive uh landscape where there needs to be parity between the programs not in quality but just in, more in terms of structure and resources right. or investment yeah it's money yeah. thing as well it's always money it seems you know but <laughs> yeah some schools yeah have have like cal are really heavily supported and and that helps them you know they have great facilities and things and some schools really want to be competitive but don't have that alumni network or that you know the support from the administration so but there are also schools that just want to have be a club and, and have a you know have a good time and go out and play socially and and that's also fine you know there's nothing yeah. wrong with that with that the spirit of college rugby uh you know it, it it really is is great as well in that side of things so you have to find a way to to identify the, the schools that are committed you know somewhat like the on the women's side they're doing uh with naira and are identifying schools that are you know could be varsity ncaa varsity programs based off funding and and commitment levels things like that kind of separating that uh, from the you know from the the clubbers the clubbier side I guess of college rugby 
uh, that could help as well. So it's it's a tough it's a tough yeah I they, I I'm, can't solve it. I don't know. That's why I'm not in charge. So it's a tough one. I don't envy anybody who's trying to figure that out. Yeah, certainly a uh, uh, it's a lot to bite off anybody to to take that on to to settle those differences and get everybody on the same page, um, even just the same calendar page. So yeah. looking into the upcoming fall, what college rugby? Should fans of the Free Jacks and, you know, just rugby fans in general be watching this fall? All of it, anywhere, anytime you can, <laughs> I, I, you know, but no, I, uh, and really, seriously, anything, I'm, I'm so happy for the rugby network and the things that they, you know, do for college rugby and they're able to stream a lot of games uh, on that side of things. But uh, check out the NCR did put out their, you know, playoff schedule as well for the fall season. They're going to have a lot of really competitive uh, matches coming up on, on that side of things. So, Make sure you know pay attention to those divisions and those battles. Uh, I always love it was kind of it, you know in my home. I, I love watching uh, Iona uh, for Colby as well. Shout out to my uh, co-host uh, Colby Marshall. I love watching some Iona games, so check them out in the games that they play. Um, but yeah, really anything anything you can, anything that's on and available to you guys, uh, I would watch on the college front. It's it's all really great stuff. Uh, the Southeastern Collegiate Rugby Conference is the one to, to watch for sure. The South Carolina Gamecocks YouTube page is streaming every single game, uh, by the way. So you guys can check that out. Yep. That's huge. I, programs do that. I mean, that, that makes a world of difference. You know, as, uh, me, I, uh, selfishly on the content side, you know, when I sit down to, to plan out a, a show doc for, you know, the coming week or whatever with College Rugby Wrap-Up, and I and I see that there's a game available for me to watch from a school that that school is going to get on the show because I'm like, wow, I can actually talk meaningfully about yeah. something as opposed to reading a box score, you know, or trying to like some grainy photos that somebody posts. I, I, I really appreciate when schools can take that that leap and do that. So thank you, South Carolina. Yeah. And, and please watch all of their stuff. If they're putting in the effort to put it out there, uh, that that's huge. Excellent. Well, uh, that was it for me. That's my last question. Thank you, Zach. It's always great to talk to you. I'll hand it back over to Phil to wrap things up. I know we have some exciting drawings to do Ooh. as well. All right. We got my sister Jada chime in here. Go Cox. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> there we go. Got the little hand sign there. Uh, spurs up. But um, the, the final thing that I wanted to do tonight is our little dream kit random seating. We also have our dream signing random seating. So we're going to keep Zach um, uh, kidnapped here for just a minute while we do this. So um, we've got five uh, outriders. They're strength in numbers. We're continuing to grow. We're multiplying at a rapid rate here, an alarming rate, if you will. But um, so with that, we're going to have to do um, the first seed is going to be and then we're going to have two wild cards that will make up the fourth seed. A little complicated, but hang with me, people. So you can kind of not barely see my screen here, but there is my old tricorn hat. In this is five sticky notes, and I am not looking. I've got it above my head. The first seed here that will be playing the wild card, uh, whoever comes out of that, is Boston Children's Hospital, which is Dave's. It's my um, pick. Is nice. your pick Dreams. there. So that is the number one seed. I'm going to put that on here right now. And that would be a fantastic uh, sponsor to have on the kit. I always love the the soccer teams that go out and put like the cancer, you know, like charities that go on their kits. There, I always think that's very, very classy. But here is going to be the two wild cards above my head. I cannot see. Uh, and let's see who's it going to be. This is going to be Bain capital i believe which is just it sounds i know i'm sure they're fantastic people but it sounds very villainous um yeah uh, bane capital maybe yeah they sound very pleasant yeah they sound 
All right. Uh, so that is going to be one of the wild cards here. Uh, what else we got? And that was, of course, uh, David Lawrence's pick from the Scrum of the Earth podcast. It would look pretty sick on the uh, on the kit. Uh, and then we've got Bubbly, which I believe uh, Bozo just literally picked that because he was drinking a Bubbly uh, drink while we were on the show. I think that's really, you know, he loves to wing it, baby. So um, there we go. That would also look pretty cool on the kit. Now we're down to the second and third seeds here. These will be facing off against each other to see who advances in the dream kit sponsor. Uh, let's see here. Who do I have in my hand? This is going to be my pick of Tim Hortons, ladies and gentlemen. I would love to see Tim Hortons on the kit, especially that that Maple Leaf logo. I think it would look pretty cool because, by the way, we have eight free jacks that are right now Canadian internationals playing over in uh, Tonga, I believe, right now. So that's pretty cool. All right, and they will be facing off against uh, – this has to be Dan from Merrimax. Uh, didn't even need to look at it because it's the only one in there remaining, which is going to be the – Performance Rehab Incorporated. They were, he was saying that he picked them. It's a local um, uh, rehab place out of uh, Nashua because they basically allowed him to continue to play softball. Uh, helped him with his rotator cuff tear. So there you go. That is the um, the full seating for the Dream Kit random seating there. And the final one here, of course, is our Dream Signings. And I would love to get your take on this, Zach, uh, with some of these names here. So the first one that we're going to pick is going to be our um, first seed. Let's see here. I've got two, so let me drop one back in there. Okay. This is going to be, as the number one seed, Shaquille O'Neal. I, I, I listen. You know, I love uh, David Lawrence for his uh, his zags, but he zagged right out of the building and right off a cliff with that one. So Jack is the number one seed. Well, any take on that? Uh, you know, I mean, he already is semi involved. He's DJing. You know, our, right. our uh, finals. He's around the yep. sport. I th say throw a uniform on him. He's probably still got it. So I, no I would doubt. not be opposed to that. If I you mean, had a five meter penalty, right, <laughs> tap and go, and you could give the ball to Shaquille O'Neal, yep, it's good. You're you good. would give the ball to Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, go ahead, Shaq. Just run those guys over. You only got to go five meters, buddy. He wouldn't even need to run. He would just kind of just lean forward, and, you know, <laughs> like a Superman, and he would touch down. In the yeah, title. the wingspan would be a, a legitimate problem. I know. Yeah, that'd be a fantastic. You know, you wouldn't have to jump anywhere. So the next one here and then the one after that is going to be our wild card, which will be the number four seed. We'll let them basically face off against each other, and then whoever comes out as the winner will face off against the number one seed. This is a big one. Douglas Fife, the third, former free jack. That was Dan from Merrimack's pick. Uh, I think, you know, I have a sneaking suspicion he's going to do very, very well in this tournament because people love Dougie Fife. I mean, you know, internationally capped. Man scored a seven, or excuse me, a try in the Six Nations. Like, who can say that in the MLR? Nobody, no. right? Like, pretty definitely wild. one of my favorite players to watch as well. Cover. We were doing stuff on, with Matt on MLR Weekly, so I hope yeah. he comes back to you guys. That would be fantastic. All right, we've got the uh, next one up here is mine, Canadian international, or excuse me, the Scottish international as well, Richie Gray, who was also Dave's a couple years back. The Scottish giant will be facing off against his countryman, Dougie Fife, in the wild card round to see who advances to face off against Shaq. What <laughs> world are we living in right now? All right, the, <laughs> we've got the second seed right now coming up. It is going to be... 
Aha, Damian McKenzie. Can you imagine Damian McKenzie and MLR? He would light this league on fire. Just Electric. hand that man the MVP trophy right now. He is absolutely electric, and I think he will make his way, especially the the the, the savvy rugby fans that watch the show. They know exactly who that is, and I, I can see him doing some damage in this tournament. And he will be facing off against the last one, of course, in here, and that's going to be your pick, Dave, uh, and that is Reese Hodge, uh, the fly half from Australia. Any thoughts on all of these names here, uh, Zach? I mean, Damian McKenzie, all hair team as well. I think you could bring some style, some flair. You know, he's got yep. it in spades. So uh, it looks like you guys, the size, you're looking for some size here too. Everybody wants the big bodies to come to Free yep. Jacks. That would be good. You always 100%. can't hurt. Uh, so, but no, Damian McKenzie, I think would be, would be insane. It would be a wonderful get uh, for, for the league as a whole. And then, I mean, just hand you guys the trophy uh, and again, second year in a row too. So, Love to hear that. Yeah. Anytime to hear that we get the trophy again, I'm just all for it, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, once we've got that uh, that winning mentality now, I mean, we've had it for a couple of years. Obviously, this is the Boston area, and everybody loves winning championships. But now that the Free Jacks have hoisted a trophy, I'm just like, we got to get it again, man. Let's do it. Let's run it back. So, yeah, for sure. Never all enough. of these players would help, right? <laughs> right, absolutely. Yep. Okay. All right, Shaq's that, knees hold up. I don't know. but That's yeah, right. Yeah. He might need to do a little bit of fitness, work on that fitness <laughs> to get ready but for Not a full, full 80. Season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. With that being said, I appreciate you coming on here, Zach. Thank you for putting up with us there at the end. I appreciate you very much. You've been fantastic. Um, and with that being said, we've got one word to exit the video in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! Woo! Cheers. Thank you.